Hi, I'm Olivia Belanger, the health solutions reporter for the Keen Sentinel and the host of Invisible Illness. This podcast is brought to you by the Monadnock Region Health Reporting Lab, launched by the Keen Sentinel in February of 2022. The donor-funded model provides free content on health in southwestern New Hampshire, including this podcast, articles, and newsletters. This episode's guest is Laura Tobin, a 39-year-old Keen resident living with epilepsy. We talked in her apartment about her initial diagnosis, how being on medication since she was a kid has affected her, and the constraints that come with epilepsy as an adult. Without further delay, here's Laura Tobin. Well, thank you so much, Laura, for being here. Well, thank you for having me. So I'd love to start the conversation with when you were first diagnosed with epilepsy and what symptoms were leading up to that diagnosis that that made you, you know, go see what was going on. Sure. So I was pretty young. I was, I think, seven. Wow. Okay. Um, And my family was on the way to go hiking and... I was sitting in the back seat and I woke up looking up and seeing um, kind of the blue flashing, red flashing lights um, and we were pulling into the emergency room. I guess I had, um, my mom had seen me, something was wrong in the back, Mm -hmm. wasn't really sure what was going on initially and she climbed into the back seat and, um, you know, held me on the way to the hospital. So she lost her coat on that, which I heard about for years. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I always felt responsible for her missing her favorite coat. <laughs> and um, so once you were in the emergency room and, and um, doctors were talking to you about what was going on, my understanding, and I don't have a lot, so if mm-hmm. I'm misspeaking, please correct yeah, me. Yeah, sure. My understanding is that there's different forms of epilepsy depending on the type of seizure you have yes. or the severity of it. So what were you diagnosed with and, and what kind of seizures were you facing? So the diagnosis process is actually kind of longer. It probably wouldn't be as much now. Okay. But this would have been um, like very early 90s maybe. Mm-hmm. And a lot was actually learned about um, the brain during the 90s. So they really didn't know very much about epilepsy. And there's kind of, basically, my mom had thought she was noticing, like, you know, years before this, as I was growing up, Mm -hmm. she would notice these little things um, happening where I might zone out or stare off or whatever. Yeah. And she was always trying to get a doctor to notice, but they were so short that the doctors wouldn't, they never noticed. You know, she'd say, did you see that? And they'd say, no. Right. Um because it was over. Mm-hmm. Um, and initially they told me, so the diagnosis process involved CAT scans, MRIs, EEGs. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they had said was that you can't have both types of seizures. So what I had at the time was they called a grand mal seizure, mm-hmm. which now they call tonic-clonic seizures, which is where you lose consciousness, you fall over, and you're shaking Mm -hmm. um so they were saying that you can't have those and the smaller ones um which were called petty mal now i think they're called just absence Mm -hmm. seizures um so that's kind of where you look off into the disc you know something happens neurologically but most people would not be aware of them gotcha okay from being diagnosed 
how did your life change? Obviously, you were a kid when this happened, so mm -hmm. I'm assuming a lot of this was on your parents to kind of figure out what was going on yeah. um, and, how to, and how to deal with it. So, like, were there things in your daily life that needed to change, or was it something that they just needed to be aware of and monitor? Yeah, so I started, obviously, well, taking medication, mm -hmm. um, and that changes a lot. Um, so there were times that during lunchtime, I would have to go, like, go down to the nurse's office to take my medication. Yeah. And there was at one point they told, um, I remember this woman, this is seriously like second grade. And this woman said to me in the nurse's office, um, you know, wow, those, something about those pills are like horse pills. They're as big as horse pills. <laughs> And it freaked me out yeah, so exactly much that I, hear. <laughs> I know. Well, so for years after that, I couldn't swallow pills. Right. So now I'm having to take this medication. I can't swallow pills. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think. So one of the big challenges with taking medication, this is sort of part of that is that, and especially as a kid, when you're still developing neurologically, mm -hmm. um, you don't know what's normal. Yeah. So. I was at different times having memory problems. Um, I couldn't think of the word that I was trying to say, mm -hmm. um, which is a neurological symptom. You know, I struggled with depression and things like that. Yeah. Um, but it's always, you can never really tell what's because of the medication. Um, you know, the other thing I'll say is that for when I was younger and I used to go to the doctor, every time they would ask me, there's this woman who would ask me, are you embarrassed? And it never occurred to me that I should be. Yeah. But after being asked so many times, I started to feel like it was something I was supposed to hide. Yeah. And that's a lot. There are a lot of things happening at that point in your life, like just as a general human being. So then yeah. to add on that layer where you're, you already can kind of tell that you're different than other people. Like you have to go down to the nurse's office to take medications. And then to add that, like where someone points it out and says, don't you feel weird about this thing? That must have been really challenging. <laughs> you were like, I didn't think that I needed to feel weird about it. Yeah, honestly, I feel like I've... Okay, so over the course of my life, I feel like I've needed to, to be told that I'm weird or yeah. something. You know, like it didn't occur to me. Yeah. <laughs> but now I'm very acutely aware of it yeah so um that is kind of a, a you know I guess I have become more aware of that whenever I you know talk to kids or anything mm -hmm. like that um or even just how we function like it it wasn't until much later I don't want to like ruin the structure of nope, your you're interview good. or anything but um it wasn't until much later after I graduated college that I realized how much I had become ashamed of this. Yeah. And, and what was going through your head that made you realize that you were like now ashamed of this thing that you're living with? So a lot of it has to do with, I think, driving. Okay. So I can't drive. Mm -hmm. I've never been able to drive. And I had this feeling, so that means, you know, walking everywhere um, I had this feeling or assumption that everyone was looking at me and thinking I had no friends because I was walking alone. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I guess it was kind of a thing where I sat down and said, well, this isn't my fault. Right. Like, why am I trying to? <laughs> yeah. Why do I feel this way? Why do I feel like I have to hide this? Um, why do I, f or not hide it even, but like, 
why am I embarrassed to admit this mm-hmm. is a problem for me? And you, I mean, you'd be surprised how many times driving comes up in everyday conversation. Like if you just think about any time that you have asked about how were the roads or right. small talk that you make with any cashier yeah. or something like that, yeah. driving comes up. <laughs> and um, I am very aware of that. <laughs> yeah. When you when you were in that stage of your life where you weren't, you know, feeling comfortable maybe sharing that information, like, were you telling people that you had epilepsy openly or were you kind of hiding from that reality because of what you were feeling about it? It was probably somewhere in the middle Mm -hmm. of, you know, because it doesn't come up in conversation regularly. Sure. Or it didn't used to. Yeah. (laughs) Now it does (laughs) I don't think I realized I was hiding it, but I I think just it wasn't coming up in conversation. I never had to tell anyone. So like when I was in college, I never had to tell anyone that I didn't drive. Right. So my friends knew um, when nobody has a car at school, then like it's not a big deal. Yeah, exactly. You just walk everywhere and everything's great. No one has to know. Right, and everyone is, and it's so great. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) From when you were diagnosed, I'm really curious about like the evolution of diagnoses like these that are lifelong have like the frequency of your seizures have has that decreased because you've been taking medications and things along those lines or does that still happen just as frequently it's just maybe adjusted I don't know if that's the right phrasing but just wondering like if it still feels like it's like really part of your day-to-day now as it did back then if that makes sense I don't know if this is true for everything, but with neurological things, you know, your brain changes. Mm-hmm. Um, just everyone's brain changes. Mm-hmm. So when you think about like going through puberty, mm-hmm. you're, you know, there are chemical changes, things change. And so you react to medications differently. So you might try one medication at one point in your life and it you have an awful side effect or it works, but it, it, has, it, fun- it works differently years mm-hmm. later. So, I mean, you know, when I was in, like, middle school, I th- maybe earlier, um, playing soccer, I remember going to soccer practice one time, and um, I didn't tell my dad that I was having double vision. <laughs> but every process, I guess I'm trying to think of how to go, you know, how to kind of describe this um, there is an evolution of the problem and there's an evolution of the medication and there's an evolution of your understanding of it. So all of those things kind of like are intertwined. Right. I remember not wanting to take my medication because I didn't like how I felt, Mm -hmm. but that was really hard to enunciate. You know, medication, it's just a lot of trial and error. And now I think there's much more emphasis on like homeopathic, natural remedies yeah but I mean even now you know I had an argument with my mom earlier this week trying to understand what she wanted so an EEG is where they measure an electroencephalogram is where they measure your brain waves so you get hooked up to a bunch of wires Mm -hmm. and they measure your brain waves and they you know, there are EEGs that are one hour. There are ones that are 24 hours that you take home. I've had them where you go into the hospital for a week mm-hmm. um, and they monitor your, you know, your like brainwave activity. 
they might change medications during that time, um, which I feel like it's hard to talk about the process as a whole because there's so many sub-processes. Right. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like there's a lot of, we have to do this thing, but we have to do these six things before we do that thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the interesting things is that, you know, if you go on, if you start a medication, how do you know it's working? Mm -hmm. And how do you know? Right. And And how do you know what's right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And how do you know that it was the medication and not some other change? Mm-hmm. You know, that it wasn't the air pressure change, which right. is a thing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I took this, you know, I was taking the same medication for a long time. Um, and I thought that I had a bad memory. And I, you know, I feel really sad about this because it's kind of like I wish I could tell my old self this. Yeah. I wish I could go back and tell my <laughs> high school self that this is – you know, this is not actually you. This is the medication. Right. But people don't really think to ask those specific questions. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, you don't, it doesn't occur to you to say, you know, what the problem is. Right. Uh, especially, like you said, you know, starting it so young and you don't really know who you are yet. And so it's hard to tell, like, is this just me going through puberty? Is this, you know, just who I am as a person? Is this the medication? Like, yeah. is, is this my diagnosis? You know, it, it, it's hard to pinpoint. And then at that time in your life, it's, there's a million things going on too. So it's also like you don't, maybe don't yeah. take the time to process everything. Yeah. Yeah. For your day-to-day, how, aside from the medication, is there anything else that you're doing on a daily basis or just on a regular basis at all to to help with the epilepsy or is the medication alone sufficient? So loosely, Mm -hmm. I will say I try to eat a higher fat diet. Okay. I am not great about focusing on sleep. Mm -hmm. I'm not Um, either. It's okay. (laughs) But that is, that's, that's a thing. Um, There are certain things that I do, um, in either certain weather or when I sent, like when I start to feel more activity because I, so I guess I have dozens of seizures every day, like the smaller ones. Mm-hmm. So my neurologist was said he was surprised that I was able to function <laughs> based on the activity <laughs> that that's showing. That's always so, nice to hear. <laughs> yes. I didn't know whether that was like a Good or bad. I mean, right. Are you impressed or are you concerned? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, should I not be? Fu- yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And I think that's something that a lot, you know, people will ask me, oh, when was your last seizure? I'm like, well, when was my last conversation? Yeah. Probably then. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, I, I guess I wouldn't say that I, I mean, I, there are certain medicate or certain um, vitamins that I try to take, minerals, mm-hmm. um, that I've noticed make a difference um but it's important for me to pay attention to just my stress level Mm -hmm. and to find ways to kind of step away from that um when I'm feeling that because that will trigger seizures for me yeah I was just gonna ask if there's anything else besides stress that triggers that because my understanding is that there are a lot of various things that can trigger seizures depending on if you have the big ones or the small ones yeah so like, you know, after I get my period, mm-hmm. um, that that's when I am more susceptible stress. Um, 
changes in air pressure. Mm -hmm. um, so high humidity, low air pressure have been known to trigger more seizure activities. Mm -hmm. um, so with seizures, everyone, anyone can have a seizure. Everyone has a seizure threshold. So I think a lot of times we think about this as kind of like that this is something that is unique to certain people or that only some people have it. Yeah. But anyone could have a seizure. It's just that my threshold for having a seizure is lower gotcha. than yours. Gotcha. So like if you got sick, had a high fever, whatever, right. it is possible that that could trigger a seizure. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not likely to happen. Yeah. So. And um, you had said earlier, at least when you were younger, that like your mom would look at you a certain way and you, that's when something would be happening. Like, you know, you had a blank stare or, or something along those lines. Is that a similar scenario? Like, where you, are you conscious that that's happening? Or do you not, are you not aware that you're having a seizure until maybe after the fact? That's a really good question, and it's a really difficult one to answer. Great. <laughs> Great. Um, so for my seizures, I am at least aware of some of them. Okay. But the fact that I am having too many, that I'm told that I'm having so many, mm -hmm. means that I'm not aware of all of them. Gotcha. I also wonder, though, as this is like the, the footnote of this, yeah. okay? So I... So emotional stress specifically is kind of a trigger for me. Mm -hmm. And I asked at one point, how do you distinguish between these, like a burst of, you know, just thought or emotional mm -hmm. whatever in your brain, <laughs> how do you distinguish that from a seizure? Right. Um, so I asked in EEG tech this question and then I asked my neurologist and they said that, well, we, we, we can't. So, which kind of, you know, I guess I kind of wonder, well, is everything that I'm having actually a seizure or am I just like an emotionally, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, escalated whatever person. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I, I didn't even think about, yeah, like obviously we have brain activity all the time. So how do you, how do you, yeah, that's a really. I've had a lot of time to think. About yeah, I had a yeah. lot of time to think about it, right? Yeah. Um, I know that you mentioned a couple of them already, but are there any misconceptions that you feel like either you get asked a lot or that you hear, you know, online or anywhere um, regarding epilepsy that you wish people understood better? Um, <laughs> well, flashing lights Based on my research, a rare trigger. So I, a lot of people I are concerned about, about that, that because but... that's really the only trigger I've ever heard of, like commonly for epilepsy. Yeah, because you we see it constantly now. Yeah, where, you know, there's the warnings on TV, film, whatever. Um, yeah, and it's it's not it's not that big of a deal, or that it could be for I, some I people. I think my understanding is that that as a trigger is pretty rare. Mm -hmm. Um. Things like stress, blood sugar levels, like all of those bodily things that yeah. would affect anything else, like just maybe your mood or, I mean, whatever you're, you know, whether you're feeling anxious or depressed or mm -hmm. different things, uh, migraines, if you, if you're someone who gets migraines, those triggers, things mm -hmm. like that. Um, the other one, okay, so there's a, the idea that you should, you're supposed to like move someone's tongue. Oh, I have heard that. Yes, 
don't ever do that. Yeah. <laughs> don't ever, like... <laughs> what are you supposed to do if someone has a seizure? I, I know it's probably different for you because you're having the smaller forms of them. But, like, if someone had a, a the bigger seizure... Yeah, they so are if someone is having a tonic-clonic slash grand mal seizure, yes. um, what you want to do is um, try to catch them, mm-hmm. if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, turn them on their side. Um, and cushion their head. Gotcha. And just understand that it is scarier for you than it is for that person. And it's going to take them a little while to come out of it. Mm-hmm. So that can be a, a scary thing. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And for people that do have those types of seizures, is that something where like you need to go to an amb- like get an ambulance every time or is it that's just part of their existence and they can wake up from it and be okay like I, I, I'm just never sure like where that line is and I don't know if you know the answer and it's okay if you don't but um guidelines was okay so I I always tell people if I have a seizure never call the ambulance mm-hmm. because it's not going to help me and I'm gonna have to pay a lot of money right <laughs> right so that but but put that aside um and Calling 911 is a good idea for most people mm-hmm. because some people have seizures that don't stop. Gotcha. Okay. So. Um, well, that's all I wanted to ask you, unless there's anything else that I haven't mentioned that you wanted to make sure got in here. Well, I will say, I, okay, so, have, you know, having epilepsy itself mm-hmm. has very little effect on my life. Mm-hmm. The things that surround that are the things that have dominated my life. So I studied psychology, Mm -hmm. but I can't get a job in that field because I don't drive. And all of these places that are looking for people in social services um, require a driver's license before anything else. Mm -hmm. So that means that that has affected my income. Because now I'm getting paid after, you know, I'm paying off my college loans, mm-hmm. but now I'm doing it with a job that a high school kid right. could be, you know. Yeah. And I'm behind, and I'm four years behind them mm-hmm. <laughs> starting out. So that is, that is one aspect. Insurance, that's basically how I make all of my decisions. I knew what COBRA insurance and co-payments were when I was in second grade. Mm. Um, so that is always on my mind, you know, and it's my biggest expense. I am so curious what people who don't have to do, (laughs) what do people do with their time and money when they don't have to call insurance companies for hours and ask where their medication is? Yeah. Um, I don't know. (laughs) I'm like so confused. (laughs) What do I do? Like this is like hours of my day. Right. Um, And yeah, I guess – I think that, I don't know, I would be a very different person mm-hmm. and it's not, it has nothing to do with the seizures itself and I don't know, that feels a little sad to me, you know, but people tell me that, you know, when people find out that I can't drive, they tell me that I'm lucky and I say, <laughs> Do you realize that, you know, because they can't afford to live in downtown. Sure. And I say, well, do you realize that I can't, I'm not, like, I can't live outside of town. 
Right. Yeah, like it's it's not because I I don't I want pay to. less. Yeah. Yes, this right. is just more of my income goes towards yeah. this. So, um, and I guess the one other thing I would say is that if someone tells you that they have been that they have this problem or whatever, mm-hmm. before you suggest a solution for them. <laughs> Consider how long they've had to think about this. Mm-hmm. And are you really going, like, are you really, do you have a new idea? Right. <laughs> because if it's like, oh, did you ever think maybe you could move to the city? <laughs> right. You know, if only I had, if only that thought had occurred Never to me, of you it. know? That's crazy. Oh, did you think that maybe you should just not be, you know, maybe you should explore, like, not taking medication? That's, you know, awesome, guys. Awesome. Great. You yeah. tell me the, you we know. We don't need the armchair in experts. In the meantime, yeah. I'm going to be having seizures. So if you catch, like, you know, if you're willing to stand by me and catch me on the right. ground, yeah. then it's awesome. going to be a lot different. But, yeah. yeah. So I think that's, yeah, I think that's pretty much what I would say. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really well, appreciate thank you. it. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to explore this topic. Of course. This podcast is brought to you by the Monadnock Region Health Reporting Lab, launched by the Keene Sentinel in February of 2022. The donor-funded model provides free content on health in southwestern New Hampshire, including this podcast, articles, and newsletters. 